1917. Welcome to the Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast. Every week we discuss a movie and then one of us suggests the next movie for us to watch and discuss. All the movies are available from the major streaming services so that you can participate with us. I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. I'm joined by Aaron Caldwell. Hello. Christine Deacon. Hello. Josh Dean. Hi there. And Zach Roland. Hey. And today's suggestion came from Zach. It is 1917. But first, we're going to talk about what we've been watching lately. Uh, Christine, what have you been watching lately? So I haven't been watching a whole lot of new stuff recently. Uh, The only new movie I watched uh, was a 2019 film, I believe, uh, called Tucked. I, I watched it with the showtime trial that i used to watch the movie for tonight uh and it was about an older uh drag performer and uh his dealing with his impending death and how he is working on his relationships with his daughter and another performer uh that has been starting at the club that he works at and just different ways in which his diagnosis is affecting him and all the different things that come into play there. And it was really good and I recommend it. What was the name of it again? Tucked. Tucked? Yeah. Okay. But not tucked everlasting, just (laughs) tucked. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you don't know. That could be the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Uh, Aaron, how about you? Uh, so, lately uh, I just got a order of uh, movies that I had uh, ordered online recently in and uh, picked one of those at random to watch, and the one I picked was Needful Things. Mm-hmm. With uh, Ed Harris and uh, Max von Sydow. Oh, yeah. And uh, just such a fantastic movie, if you've never seen it. Um, yeah, that's a classic. That's, uh, what, 1990s? Yeah. 80s? Gosh, like 93 or 92 or 93 is pretty early yeah. on. Uh, 93. But... Uh, Pretty solid movie from uh, Stephen King during a time where Stephen King adaptations were kind of hit or miss, uh, (laughs) to put it lightly. Um, Really, really interesting look at uh, addictions. Uh, So if you you ever get a chance to come across it, 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 um, I bought it from Kino Lorber. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they had a sale going on. I picked it up from them. Uh, if you ever if you ever come across it, definitely pick it up. Watch it. Okay, Josh, how about you? Uh, yeah, I watched a um, special on um, HBO called uh, "Becoming Mike Nichols." Um, I don't know if you guys are fans of the director Mike Nichols, uh, but uh, it was a kind of frustrating but interesting watch uh somebody an old friend of his sat down and did an interview with him in front of a studio uh, a student audience in new york and um 
Nichols uh, goes very in depth into uh, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf and the graduate and then stops. So if you want any information on like catch 22 or closer or any of the other movies he's made, do not bother watching this for that. Uh, It's just about how he started his career as a director, basically. Um, But uh, the most fascinating part was his um, relationship with Elaine May, the director, and how the two of them started off as a comedy duo. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a lot of fun to watch a lot of archival footage of them improving with each other um, and getting huge laughs on uh, old black and white TV shows. But uh, (laughs) yeah, it was, it's a lot of fun. Um, It's got, the guy's a great storyteller storyteller mike nichols tells great stories um but yeah if you ever wanted to know about who's afraid of virginia wolf or the graduate it's also a really good uh thing to watch so recommended sort of i saw that somewhere do you do you know where you watched it hbo max okay that's probably it then so um i watched another in in the long line of films and series that I've uh, I've suggested to people uh, that has an absolutely terrible forgettable title um, but I I have to I have to hype this up a little bit this is among the best dramas I've ever seen um, I watched a show called line of duty which is an awful name for a show about the police force. Um, It's a British show, and it's... I'm going to have to get into a little bit of season one, um, even though I I went into it blind, and it kind of of helps to be a little bit blind going into it, but the, the main thing you need to know is that it's it's really about the anti-corruption unit inside the police which is like the british equivalent of internal affairs and each season is them focused on a new potentially corrupt officer um usually detectives or high level uh officials that they're going after and targeting. The show is structured in such a way that for most of the first episode of each season, if not more, they they give you a really clear picture of uh, the crime that they're worried about, but also the person that they're focused on seems like the protagonist of the story in every season. They they spend so much time with them, they follow them. Um, that person's not narrative in that you don't know everything that that person knows because you're on the side of the internal affairs people. So the first season feels a lot like The Shield because you've got a cop that they're investigating who mostly does great things, but he doesn't always do them in the right way. And occasionally he does awful things. And so there's a whole gray morality thing in there. 
Um, I, I really loved it. Um, and, uh, there's six seasons total. Uh, you can find the first four on Amazon, which I recommend watching the first four on Amazon. It's a better viewing experience. It lets you skip the intro and the recap. So you can just get through them quicker. Um, once you get to season five, you have to go to Hulu which has the first five seasons and then season six just came out in 2021 and isn't streaming anywhere yet. Um, I think the first season is decent. It gives you kind of a feel for what's going on. Um, it, 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 I, I wouldn't necessarily say that the first season shows that it's going to be an amazing series, but seasons two and three, and also to some extent four are fantastic. It's like once they've built this world up and they've given you all of this exposition with season one, then all kinds of things come into play. Old cases that they've worked that you've watched them work before come back in, in weird and interesting ways. Um, It's always full of tension. It's always full of, uh, of twists um, kind of like it's like if they took the last five minutes of every episode of 24 ever and just made six episodes of that every year uh, that that's how good it is that's that's how 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 well it's done um, it's it's very strange to me that it's not a better known series in America but it might be because it's called Line of Duty, um, and it looks like just another cop show until you really start watching it and getting into it. Um, season five, I believe, was like a record-setting number of people watched it in the UK. Um, so it it definitely has grown a following over there. Um, even though, in my opinion, season five is probably the weakest I've watched so far. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm ready for, for season six. I'm, I'm all in, uh, Kelly McDonald is going to be in season six or was in it because in the UK they've already had it. So, um, but that's mine line of duty. I'll say it again because it's easy to forget. And it's like, is Dale talking about a call of duty show? No line of duty. Anybody else in it? We would have heard of. Um, Tandy Newton is in season four. Um, there's actually a guy in this movie in 1917 who is in, uh, line of duty as well. And he's also in Des, which is another show I really liked that I watched. So it was very strange. Um, right at the beginning of 1917, this gives nothing away. Um, right at the beginning of 1917, when they're the two two guys are walking through the the trench, that first sergeant that they run into, that guy is like like a ma- a major part of season three of Line of Duty. But I think it actually works in its favor that it doesn't have a ton of big names in it, um, so that you're not like oh, they cast, you know, Judy Dench. I know she's going to be super important. It's like, nope, 
it's just all kind of English character actors. So, uh, Zach, what about you? I was able to get a free preview screening of the Hitman's wife's bodyguard, and I had not <laughs> seen the Hitman's bodyguard, so I went ahead and checked that out before the screening. And I mean, it's a popcorn movie, but man, was it fun. It's kind of like, you know, John Wick meets Deadpool, sort of, you know, so to speak. Um, Obviously not a very convoluted plot line, but uh, Samuel L. Jackson and Ryan Reynolds, um, they're just, they're fun to watch together, just playing off of one another, which is funny to me because as most people probably know, Samuel L. Jackson does not like to improvise. He is very strict about the script and what he wants to say. And then if they write a character for him, he wants them to write motherfucker a bunch and you know, things like that, which is great. Cause they make fun jokes about that kind of stuff. Um, but the sequel, of course they give you more Selma Hayek, which is like, yes, please. She mm-hmm. is so great. Uh, I think Selma Hayek just makes it even better of a film with the, with the three of the trio. Um, you know, if you're looking for a fun summer popcorn film, it's a great one. Um, cause it's fun and it's got a lot of action. It's got a lot of comedy, you know, puts in a little heart even, um, cause, uh, there's a, a nice little Morgan Freeman cameo in the sequel. Um, uh, and that doesn't give anything away. He's on the cover or the posters. So no, everybody yeah. knows he's in it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I enjoyed it and it was fun. I saw it at Alamo draft house. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was cool now that they're doing these screenings and stuff again, um, to just kind of, uh, pop over and see that in a really fun environment and just, you know, just let your brain go and, and just let it be silly and, and crazy. And, and it definitely was. So yeah, that's a good one. Right on. Well, uh, we had a movie suggested this week. It was 1917. Uh, Zach suggested it. We watched it. Had anyone show of hands who had not seen it before? Okay. So, Christine, what did you think of 1917? I thought it was interesting. I am not like a huge war movie person, so that's why I hadn't seen it before, obviously. Um, I liked the poetry of the movie starting and ending at the same place with Schofield sitting at, uh, under a tree. I liked the symbolism there. Uh, and then, uh, like, uh, every th- it's not really any different, the situation that he's in now versus where he was at the beginning nothing's really changed for him um and we're still going on even though he's maybe stopped this one incident he's still in the same war there's fights still going on um there uh the friendship between him and uh oh my gosh i just had the other guy's name but it flew out of my head Blake, right. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) The friendship between him and Blake uh, was nice, but it, I didn't really feel like I cared that much about Blake when he died, that it really impacted on me enough. Uh, So it was kind of like, okay, so he's gone now and the movie's a little bit quieter. He's not going on and on about random stuff now. Um, so we're just sh- soldiering on with Schofield. Um, 
No pun intended. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and then uh, I did like the Benedict Cumberbatch appearance as uh, Mackenzie. I did not know he was in this movie, so it was nice to see him. Um, I'm a big Benedict Cumberbatch fan, so that was nice to see. Uh, but other than that, I thought it was a good watch. Definitely not my favorite since I'm not a huge war movie fan, but it was an interesting thing to see. Okay. Well, um, yeah, surprisingly, this is my first time watching 1917 as well. Um, being as I'm a person that, that likes to watch movies and sees a lot of movies, <clears throat> I knew this was a well-made movie. Um, I'm a huge fan of Roger Deakins in general. Um, and I, I, I love to watch stuff that he's made. Um, I really debated getting this on uh, 4k Blu-ray to watch, you know, with all the bells and whistles and all of that. But the Blu-ray releases uh, are missing the thing that I think I would find most interesting, which is the behind the scenes of how they did all of this. Um, you know, how they faked the one shot um, just all of the logistical things that they had to do to put it together. Um, they do have commentary tracks on those releases. There's a full-length commentary by Sam Mendes and another full-length commentary by Richard Deakins. So I think I would enjoy watching it again that way. Um, I also feel like I would enjoy the movie overall better a second time versus the first time. But I will say in its favor, um, the pacing is fantastic. There's always something happening. Um, I got the feeling a number of times, uh, particularly because of the perspective and some of the way that the storytelling was done um, visually and all of that, I felt like I was playing a campaign in a video game a lot in this movie. Um, especially when the camera's behind him, it's like playing a third-person shooter game or something like that, even though he doesn't run around shooting people and all of that stuff. Um, I don't know. Like, beyond that, like, I could pick out, like, scenes that I really liked or or shots or stuff like that. Um, I really enjoyed the scene between him and the French woman with some random baby that she was taken care of. Um, and he tries to give her all his food and then she's shocked. That he actually has milk on him. Um, which, uh, I would, I would find pretty questionable. It was probably some reconstituted powdered stuff, uh, in the army, but, um, especially in world war one times. But, uh, I thought all that was interesting. Um, and, and you know, World War One is not even particularly explained or talked about in this movie. It's just kind of the setting of what's happening. So it, it's it is a well-made movie. I'm sure that if I had seen it, you know, in IMAX in the theater, I would have had a great time um, watching it. And I and I think. I would have the same kind of reaction of, you know, I can't wait until they put out, you know, a featurette on how they made this or how they faked, you know, around 
the shooting of it, you know, because they obviously didn't do it in the two or three takes where they do show a fade out, you know, kind of thing. Um, I think that stuff would have been interesting. But yeah, it just... Um, emotionally, I wasn't really invested in it. Um, it was just kind of a, a series of, of kind of vignettes um, strung together with a single shot. And I don't think that was quite enough to make the narrative more interesting than guy has mission, guy completes mission credits sort of thing. So, uh, Aaron, how about you? I went and saw this in theaters when it first came out, and I 100% agree. Um, It looked spectacular. On IMAX, it sounded spectacular. Um, Things carried much more emotional weight uh, watching it in theater more than when I purchased it and watched it at home. Um, and I don't know if that's because it was the first time I watched it or if it was in fact the, that you're seeing it in, uh, in such a massive scale, uh, at the theater, but the, the beauty of this movie is captured entirely in its quiet parts. Uh, yeah, for instance, I agree with that. For instance, the scene of them approaching and, and then passing through no man's land. Mm-hmm. That scene is, is shot so well. There's, there's no sound except for this kind of like buzz, uh, like, like music's building and this building tension and nothing happens. And, and you, it just blows you away that, that like all of this at any second, Everything could just go wrong, and it, it, that that feeling, man, it's it's something that it's hard to explain. It's just it's just wonderful, and that scene in particular, you can you can see the the horror show all around them, the dead horses with flies. Um, you you can almost taste it. And uh, when the movie evokes that type of response, I think it has done its job. And and you know, you mentioned Roger Deakins. He has so many fantastic movies uh, that he's been a part of, like Blade Runner twenty forty two and and Shawshank Redemption and The Hudsucker Proxy. Um, just fantastic movies with fantastic scenes that just evoke so much emotion. It's amazing to go back and look at his career and and re- see that he's only recently started winning Academy Awards. Like uh, B- uh, Blade Runner twenty forty two was his first Oscar win. Um, and S- Sam Mendes, for my money, is is kind of hit or miss. I thought I thought this movie was really done well. Um, I don't know going forward if it's one I'll watch again because uh, like I said watching it at home didn't capture the emotion as much as it as it did the first time I watched it um, but it is still a good film and I definitely suggest people see it at least once right on 
Josh, how about you? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I said last time that I'm kind of in the bag for long take movies. Um, and what everybody else said is right. that The directing that went into this was spectacular in terms of, you know, putting together these shots, the logistics of the shots, the making it all look amazing. Um, I have no issues with the way this movie looks or was presented. And I think, did Mendez win an Oscar for directing for this? Um, I can't remember if he did or not, but he should have if he had. Uh, it would have been steep competition in 2019. <laughs> yeah, this was a good it, year. It yeah. won three Oscars. It won Best Cinematography best visual effects and best sound mixing. Okay. Well, still he directed the shit out of this movie, but, uh, all that being said, I didn't care about the characters, uh, much. I didn't, I didn't get that emotional connection. I saw it in the theater when it first came out. Um, also, um, it, I felt like I was taken out of the movie a lot by watching for the cuts. Like, uh, it almost was like daring me to figure out where the cuts were happening. So, uh, it was like I couldn't turn that part of my brain off to just sit back and enjoy it as what it was. Um, so, I don't know. The The characters seemed a little flimsy to me, and then the storyline seemed real flimsy to me. Um, I, I never got emotionally invested in it. But, again, blown away by the way it looks, by, by how they put it all together. Um just not not my favorite uh just doesn't differentiate itself from other war movies to me that much uh like it's not a hundred miles away from saving private ryan in terms of you know we got to get this one guy to this one place to get this one thing done and then you know we can move on with the rest of the war and that's i understand when you're telling a war story you've got to tell a small story about a big conflict um yeah, it it didn't entirely work for me, um, and I wish I liked it more than I do. Uh, but like I said, very uh, hats off to uh, Sam Mendez and Mr. Deacons for you know pulling off such an amazing feat. I give them all the credit in the world. Right on. So uh, Zach, as is tradition on our show, what the hell, man? Why did we watch this? Yeah, I just wanted to, you know, make you all suffer through a war film. No, I, uh, I actually am a big fan of of war films. Uh, I, I like a lot of them, and um, I saw this in Dolby Cinema when it first came out, and I had also recently seen Peter Jackson's documentary um, about World War One, uh, and I believe it's called "Those Who Shall Not Be Forgotten" or something close to that. Yeah, it's kind of. I've seen that too. Yeah. So, uh, so after, you know, kind of having that, I mean, um, I, I love the history of world war one and world war two. I think world war two always overshadows world war one. So seeing a story from world war one also from the Dunkirk also, I believe came out the year before too. So it's like this big like world war one resurgence, uh, saw this in Dolby cinema. And of course with Dolby cinema, you've getting that, that screen quality. It's super clear. Uh, you're getting that sound quality. That's just right there. And it fully immerses you in that experience. Um, and by the time it was done, I was, I, I felt numb. Like I felt like I, I had to sit in the chair after the film because I just didn't, I was like, had to interpret what I had just experienced, but I like 
for me in terms of Dale, what you were saying with the pacing, I love the pacing because it it's like it's so good that it just it makes you at the end of the film go, what the hell just happened? And I think that's kind of how Schofield feels as well. Um, so when I saw it the second time, uh, also in theaters, I saw it twice in theaters. I cried at the end of the second showing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because I, you're right. First time showings, usually I did. I, I can see not having that emotional connection, so to speak, because it's just so much this, the uh, sensory overload and the tension and everything that's going on. And then the second time I was like, oh, of course you have more knowledge now. So scenes, you can watch them differently, especially that scene with the French woman and the baby. I was like, of course that all makes sense now. Like why he was so good with the, baby and she even asked him and he didn't respond and it was like ah and it just like i felt like he had no time to process anything from the moment he was awoken by his friend essentially by blake to the very end he had not a second to process anything and i was like that's such a fun way to see the character as and you as the audience i mean sometimes also feel the same so i just really enjoyed that aspect of it and i've actually watched it many times since um because i purchased it and um and i always tell people i'm like hey have you seen 1917 uh because mm-hmm. i'll watch it again if you want um i would i mean i would say this is probably definitely one of my favorite war films because of there's just so many so much in many aspects to it but i definitely think everyone's def right in that wheelhouse with the different takes on it from you know the um the character investment and the storylines and the things that are going on around them. I loved all the small cameos. I loved all the, the tiny little cameos from every, like, there's so many great British actor cameos in there. Um, and, uh, and that was really fun to just see people pop up along the way. Um, and then, uh, yeah, there, there was just, uh, an interesting take on too, about like the fact that it's, um, it's not the Nazis, you know, these are like the pre Nazis essentially, but they're not really Nazis because that was a whole other era of Germany. And so you have this, like, you know, when you, when you have that moment where he's in the the city and, uh, he wakes up after the sniper situation and, you know, he comes across those other Germans and they're just like, you know, hanging out or whatever, but it's war. So you have to protect yourself and, um, I don't know. There was a lot of that that just really like struck me as interesting and not necessarily, you know, like World War II where it's like, oh, the Krauts, you know, we got to get the Krauts and blah, blah, blah. And like, mm-hmm. that's very Saving Private Ryan and like um, uh, Band of Brothers, which I also love. Um, yeah. Then um, the other thing I was going to say is that song that they sing in the Dale uh, before the before he gets to the front line. Yeah. Just kills me every time uh it's so beautifully sung and the and the the watching the soldiers sit there and listen knowing that they're probably going to die it's just incredible um i mean i i think there's just stuff of that where i like i try to put myself into that obviously this is probably i'm pretty sure a story of fiction but i did listen to a podcast where sam mendez talks about this story being based on his father's experience in the war. And uh, that's kind of why he did this film was because he wanted to tell those stories similar with what Peter Jackson wanted to do with his documentaries. Like he's like, there's so many great stories uh, that are long forgotten because world war one is so overshadowed by world war two. And I really appreciated that 
that he went through talking about like, you know, why he wanted to do this film. And then he also talked about, like you were saying, Dale, the uh, execution of the film. Uh, They rehearsed this film for six months before they shot anything. And they had the two mains commit to the six months of filming per their contract. And they had to stick with it or as a rehearsal portion of the, of the film. And then they built all those trenches. They built all that stuff uh, as sets and, and just recreated all of that, which I thought was incredible. And then they brought in the other actors as they could to do certain parts with um, each of the, um, each of the uh, cameo actors. And, uh, and I, I really liked listening to him talk about it. It's on the um, DGA podcast. Okay. Um, you can find that. Yeah, I don't know interested. if this story is uh, is actually true or not, but supposedly yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch spent a lot of days not getting filmed because they didn't mm-hmm. make it to him. Mm-hmm. Like for whatever yeah. portion of the time they were shooting that he was there, it was like he would get in the uniform and makeup and all of that, and then he'd sit there and it's like, well, not today. They're not. They're not getting <laughs> to you today. Yeah. Because especially because he's in, you know, what, maybe two, three minutes of the movie. I mean, it's so, so brief. Um, I did love the little Game of Thrones connection uh, where Blake uh, is uh, King Toman. And then his brother, (laughs) his brother is King uh, Rob Stark. Uh, So I really, really liked that. Yeah. Uh, I know that's not intentional, but it's fun. Yeah. yeah, I, I, I never really, ex- you know, expect people to love war movies because they definitely can be hit or miss. And if you're, you know, it's, if that's your thing, great. If not, I'm just a history buff. And for me, this really hit all the right notes. And uh, plus the cinematography, I mean, beautiful. That guy, he's got uh, such a, a, a wonderful canon of films that he's done. Um, I mean, I, every, almost every film that I've seen of his is just like uh, Deacon. Um, it, uh, it's just so so good um so yeah and Sam mendez too um with a lot of his films as well and we got a little taste of this in specter i don't know if any of you all have seen um 007 yeah. specter but the first shot uh the first scene of specter is all one shot yeah and uh they go through the crowd of the mexican day parade and all that stuff and um yeah it was uh it was really fun so when well, i saw this and yeah i was like yeah gotta do it yeah, bringing it back to Mendez. So um, even though IMDb says 2019 for this movie, um, that was when it was doing festival runs. It actually came out in January of 2020. And so Mendez was up against, to name but a few, Martin Scorsese, Quentin Tarantino, and the winner, Bong Joon-ho. Uh, yeah, so, that makes sense. Yeah. It was, that's it what was happened. A- great yeah. year for directors i mean those there was the 2019 was a good really great year for films i think yeah these so are the 2020 oscar awards because yeah it technically came out in 2020 so yeah I, it wasn't the last saw, film that i saw before the lockdown from the pandemic because i believe i saw it in either february february ish of 2020 but definitely one of the few that i saw right before not being able to go yeah. back. Or I guess the Oscars are always confusing to me because the 2020 Oscars are for 2019 films. So yeah, there's all of that. Um, if you are in the Kansas city area or planning to visit the Kansas city area, uh, we have the country's only world war one museum 
It is a fantastic museum. I'm kind of a museum snob. I'm not usually impressed by them. Um, you know, I uh, my mom used to work at the St. Louis Art Museum, and I used to be stuck there for hours after I got off work down the street waiting for a ride home. So I, I'm like art museumed out, especially the St. Louis one. But if there's a really good one in town, I'll go see it. Um, what I think is the most interesting thing about the World War One Museum, aside from it, again, being the only one in the country, is that uh, it was built in the early 1920s before World War II. So they didn't realize that there was going to be another war. And there's all kinds of, uh, you know, the war to end all wars and may peace reign eternal. And um, there's this massive ceiling mural that was painted and made for it. Um, back then. So it's really like the generation of people that survived World War One that that put that memorial together. Um, and it's it's really you, you can easily see it all in a you know a couple hours. It's not a huge museum or anything, but uh, well worth the price of admission to go and see it. And if you're in downtown Kansas City, you can't miss it. Uh, there is a big giant uh, gray tower. Uh, standing right at the edge of it, at the edge of the park there on the south side of downtown. So, yeah. Also, kind of interesting too, in terms of pandemic, this was the last time there was a major worldwide pandemic, it was the 1918 Spanish flu was yeah. right after. So, yeah, crazy tie ins there too. Yeah, all the fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but it, Dale, you're not wrong. That is a beautiful museum. And I, I think, it, yeah, you should definitely check it out if you're in Kansas City. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would watch this again, um, if, if nothing else, just to sort of, you know, turn my brain off about trying to focus in on the plot and, and all of that stuff and just kind of really... Um, let the filmmaking take over, and I would I would definitely watch it with the commentary tracks. I think that that's going to be my next my next way to view it. So I might end up ordering the the Blu-ray. Um, well, uh, Christine, it is your turn to select a movie. What would you like for us to watch next? I have chosen the 1944 film Laura. The IMDb synopsis is a police detective falls in love with the woman whose murder he is investigating. All right. That sounds great. Uh, thanks, everybody, for the discussion on 1917. Thanks, everybody out there for listening. We will see you on the next Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast. Podcast.